0: Hello and welcome to The Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 60 of The Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, I am going to be covering a subject that has been ...highly requested by all of you listening, and that is to go through the Land Pavilion over at Epcot, and more specifically, that beloved attraction, Living with the Land. So we'll talk a little bit about the history... Fun facts, details you might not have noticed before about the Land Pavilion and about Living with the Land. I'll also include a binaural recording of the most recent version of Living with the Land, which was actually updated this summer of 2019 and at the end of the show i'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the imagineer podcast on all of our social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show so grab some headphones pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the imagineer podcast When the Walt Disney Imagineers were designing Epcot, it might not have been the specific vision that Walt Disney had in mind for the park, but the one pavilion that perhaps aligned the most with what Walt had in mind was the Land Pavilion. To recap Walt's thoughts about Epcot, he dreamed that the park would be quote, like the city of tomorrow ought to be, a city that caters to the people as a service function. It will be a planned, controlled community "...a showcase for American industry and research, schools, cultural and educational opportunities." End quote. Walt also said that, quote, "...it will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed, but will always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials and systems." End quote. Now we all know that Epcot isn't exactly a city, But the Land Pavilion, which debuted at EPCOT's grand opening on October 1st, 1982, realizes several of Walt's ideas, including a planned, controlled community, a showcase of American industry and research, a school, and a place that provides educational opportunities. The Land is also a pavilion that is constantly testing and demonstrating new materials and systems, especially when it comes to living with the land attraction. In fact, while Soarin might be the ride that drives thousands of guests to this part of Epcot, I believe that living with the land is, and has always been, the heart of the land pavilion, and one of the many key elements that makes Epcot distinctly Epcot. Now when this pavilion first opened, Its role in the park was to showcase the way that we as humans have interacted with the earth and the ways that scientists around the world are discovering better methods to serve our needs while preserving the planet. As a matter of fact, living with the land includes a line that I think best addresses the question posed by this pavilion. How will we meet tomorrow's growing need for food production, yet still respect the needs of the land? With this mission in mind. The land pavilion employs horticulturalists whose job is to research and test cutting-edge agricultural technology. Guests wanting to learn more about these methods have three ways of doing so in the pavilion itself. The first and most popular way is to experience living with the land. As the boats gently float through the greenhouses, guests have the opportunity to see and learn about the food being grown there, including the various technologies that are employed to grow and harvest fruits, vegetables, and fish in efficient and ecologically responsible ways. Second, guests wanting a more in-depth look can take the Behind the Seeds tour. With a horticulturalist leading the way, guests get a closer look at the greenhouses, hear more about the research being done learn how to grow plants and food in more eco-friendly ways back at home, and get the chance to ask questions in a more interactive fashion. Finally, and perhaps my favorite way to learn about these methods, is to savor the results. Whether you dine at Sunshine Seasons, Garden Grill, or countless other restaurants across Epcot and Walt Disney World, much of what you eat is grown and harvested at the Land Pavilion, satisfying Walt's vision to make Epcot a planned, controlled community and to make Walt Disney World an environmentally friendly resort. Overall, 40,000 square feet of the Land Pavilion alone is dedicated to experimental horticulture techniques, which, as you learn on Living with the Land, include new methods of irrigation, pest control, hydroponics, aquaculture, and even some hybrid approaches. This also adds an element of re-ridability to Living with the Land, which is another thing I love about it. No two boat rides are the same, because the food grown and the methods are constantly changing. In fact, Living with the Land includes special overlays for each Epcot festival, including Festival of the Arts, the Flower and Garden Festival, the Food and Wine Festival, and Festival of the Holidays, so be sure to ride this attraction at least once during each of these special events because you will notice the ride actually changes quite a bit in those greenhouses. In addition to Living with the Land and the Behind the Scenes Tour, the Land Pavilion in its current version includes Sorin, Sunshine Seasons, which is a quick service food location that serves a variety of different types of cuisines, and The Garden Grill, which is a rotating full service restaurant that includes family style dining for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Chip and Dale, Mickey, and Pluto. It also passes over, which is my favorite part, a couple of ride scenes from Living with the Land, offering a different view of the attraction. Um, And again, that's that's probably my favorite view in the entire uh, the entire restaurant and no matter where you sit You'll eventually get around there because again the restaurant does rotate and you're pretty much guaranteed to see it at one point during your meal Now while these attractions currently exist at the land pavilion The original layout was quite different over the course of the park's first 10 years from 1982 to 1992 The land was sponsored by Kraft. While the restaurants in The Land were the same, the original names for these restaurants were The Good Turn Restaurant, later called The Land Grill Room, and Farmer's Market, which was later called The Sunshine Seasons Food Fair. The original attractions in the pavilion included Listen to the Land, which was the pavilion's main attraction, Kitchen Cabaret Review, an audio-animatronic musical show about nutrition, and Symbiosis, a film discussing the positive and negative impact that humans have had on the land. Before we continue, I'd love to play a brief clip of each, starting with Kitchen Cabaret, then Symbiosis, and finally listen to the land to give you an idea of what these attractions were like.
1: Share. Eating balanced meals can keep you
2: fit Feeling brand of variety at your three meals Can only improve the way you think The basic foods make perfect team But balanced, there, I am in high esteem. Dairy, bread, and cereals, meat, fruit, and fruit was a real spicy number. Ah, they're such seasoned performers. Now, let's get things started with a real chilling act. Say hello to my friends, Mr. Dairy Goods and his stars of the Milky Way.
1: It's time to meet some beauty. At this our rendezvous, we all come from the dairy, with moving words for you, with grace and ease. Here is mischief Cheese. A delightful I a of curse? Your
2: taste buds, I'll appease. I know how to please. It's known that I'm too good for work
1: Oh, isn't that all right? Big bone But suddenly It's nice to flirt with Miss Yogurt The love of many gourmets gourmets. Your palate is assured And really quite cultured Because I would seem okay on each and Every day. Oh, mama, but of course, often I dream of this Ice Cream, a beauty who's charming and sweet. Mm, I'm
2: cool through and through, and I've got a double scoop for you, to be with me, baby. It's
1: <laughs> such a taste. Just make believe you're a tiny little seed, a tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your need with the right amount of faith and the right amount of earth. You'll grow to see the sunshine on your day of birth. Let's listen to the land we all love, nature's plan will shine upon. listen to the land Listen to the land, we all love Nature's plan will shine upon. Listen to the land, listen to the land When springtime comes, how can you tell? The air is always filled with orange blossom smell Come summertime, the warmest sunshine And the world is full of flowers and good melons Nature's plan will shine upon listen to the land, listen to the land, let's listen to the land we all love, nature's plan will shine a listen to the land, listen to the land. When autumn falls, it's a harvest show, with north
0: winds blowing. As you could probably tell from those clips, Symbiosis took on a rather serious tone about the environment, while Kitchen Cabaret provided a more kid-friendly tone in sharing how to make healthy decisions when it comes to nutrition. Meanwhile, Listen to the Land had many similarities to its replacement, Living with the Land, in addition to having a folk song that became one of the core tunes of Epcot Center. By the way, that song, Listen to the Land, was actually written by Robert Moline, who also wrote "Golden Dream" from *The American Adventure*, "Canada, You're a Lifetime Journey" from *O Canada*, and the theme to Delta Dream Flight, which was the predecessor to, for those of you who know it, Buzz Your Space Ranger Spin over at the Magic Kingdom. In 1994, the Land Pavilion then changed sponsors from Kraft to Nestle. With this shift, the pavilion also received updates to all three attractions. Kitchen Cabaret Review was transformed to Food Rocks, a similar show with an updated story and parodies of classic rock and pop tunes from artists like Queen and Cher and many more. And Symbiosis was changed to Circle of Life and Environmental Fable, which conveyed the same message as the original film, but in a way that resonated more with younger kids by making Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa the narrators of the film. Meanwhile, Listen to the Land was updated to, changing the name just a little bit, Living with the Land. Now, I will be providing a full binaural recording of Living with the Land toward the end of the episode, but before we get to the most modern phase of the Land's history, I'd love to play some quick clips from Food Rocks and Circle of Life and Environmental Fable so you can hear how these two attractions provided a more refreshed, kid-friendly take on their original predecessors, which you heard just a few moments ago. So sit back and enjoy these clips from the late 90s of the Land Pavilion.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all put our hands together
2: for a good Hello Epcot Center, and welcome to the all-star benefit for good nutrition. Now put your hands together for the U canceled Now here's your host, Food Rapper. Hey, thanks everybody. You know, your food knows a thing or two about eating right. Take it from the pick of the crop. Ladies and gentlemen, the Peach Boys.
1: You, you'll be happy with the foods you eat. Mixing different kinds, each meal can be a treat. It's not just a superstition We're talking of good
2: Sorry, Simba. But you know, on you, the wet look doesn't look so bad. Oh. Up, Pumba.
1: Uh, to the left. Uh, now the other uh, left. Uh, oh,
2: oh, oh. Huh. You're a genius. What's with all the construction? Well, your royaliciousness, we are developing Hakuna Matata Lakeside Village. So no problems. No worries. Home of the good life. Phase one. We've dammed the stream to create the biggest lake on the savannah. But guys... The animals downstream need water, too. Hey, if they need water, they can move to Hakuna Matata Village. (laughs) I think I'd better tell you a story about another creature who's a lot like you. You mean perfect, hot-ripped, and buffed? Uh, no. I mean a creature who sometimes forgets how everything is connected in the great circle of life.
0: Humans? We are
2: nothing like them. Oh, really? Well, you may be more like them than you think. You see, a long time ago, their numbers were small, and they lived in harmony with... with... the great circle of life? <laughs> That's right. Always have to be the to teacher's pig, eh, Pumba? The point is, they only took what they needed from nature to survive. So they fished, they hunted, they plowed... <laughs> the simple life the problem is it didn't stay simple
0: as you could probably tell from those clips food rocks and circle of life were both similar to their original predecessors but offered quite a different different tone on the overall experience. The largest transformation for the land pavilion, though, came about in 2004. While the pavilion had gone through one refurbishment in its history, it wasn't all that dramatic of a change. The 2004-2005 the refurbishment, though, it would completely change the landscape of this pavilion. With the success of Soarin' Over California at Disney California Adventure Park in Anaheim, California, Michael Eisen decided it was time to bring this attraction to the East Coast and tied its opening into Disneyland's 50th anniversary campaign, which was called the Happiest Celebration on Earth. In fact, as part of this campaign, there was a lot of ride swapping that happened. Even Lights Motors Action, which opened at Disney's Hollywood Studios, came from Disneyland Paris as part of this celebration, and there's a few others that changed parks and were added to other parks as part of this campaign. This addition to the Land Pavilion required quite a major expansion to the building, along with the demolition of food rocks to make room for the ride entrance and the first part of the queue. On May 5th, 2005, Over California opened to great guest satisfaction, and for many years was actually the most popular ride at the park. For that reason, of course, I'll have to create an entirely different podcast episode just about Soren, which I promise you I will definitely get to in the future. In addition to Soren's opening, the 2004-2005 refurbishments also changed the look and feel of the pavilion. The Walt Disney Imagineers repainted the structure, removed carpeting, Modernized the logo and signage, widened the pathways, and transformed the layout of the Sunshine Seasons food fair, which would now be renamed Sunshine Seasons and include five separate food counters a bakery, a sandwich counter, soup and salad counter, Asian counter, and wood fire grill counter. The quality, price, and options for Sunshine Seasons, I have to say, made it my favorite quick service in all of Walt Disney World until. Of course, Tuli Canteen opens, which opened at Animal Kingdom in 2017, but Sunshine Seasons is still very high on my list and I still believe is my favorite quick service location in all of Epcot. But perhaps one of the most heartbreaking changes to the Land Pavilion for many guests was the removal of the original fountain, a project we discussed quite a bit in episode 59 of Imagineer Podcast with Imagineer Jim Sarno. Nevertheless, the removal of that fountain allowed for increased guest capacity and more seating at Sunshine Seasons, which was already one of the most popular quick-service restaurants at the park, which and also served breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all three meals. Especially with the opening of Sorin, this increased space was... Really needed to provide easier guest flow. And if you've ever rope dropped Soren during peak times of the year, I'm sure you can understand and appreciate what it would have been like to walk through the pavilion without that extra space. It really is needed. Regardless of which part of the Land Pavilion's history you explore, the one thing that has never changed is the overall theme. When you approach the building, you might take the shape and appearance for granted as you quickly make your way to Soren. Next time you have a spare moment though, I definitely encourage you to take a minute to look at the outside of the building. Its shape, which is very intentional, is actually supposed to be a volcano. Why a volcano you ask? Well, volcanoes have a tremendous impact on the land, and even create, shape, and transform the land around us. If you live in Hawaii for instance, I'm sure you can appreciate this principle more than most. Now, the Imagineers not only sculpted the building to look like a volcano, but they also created a creek that flows down the middle of the entrance pathway to the pavilion, which is supposed to represent lava flowing from the structure. Once you're inside the pavilion, I encourage you to take another look around you. Especially on the lower level, you might notice the way that the building evokes a landscape. The lighting in particular is designed like budding plants or trees. So take a look at the actual light structures and the building supports are painted different shades of green at various heights to represent larger trees or plants um, of various shapes and sizes. Meanwhile, the ground below you is meant to look like rocks or dirt, while the open dome and yellow, orange and red ribbons above you are meant to portray sunlight. But wait, there's more. Remember how we talked about the food court and the fact that it's called Sunshine Seasons? That name is absolutely intentional. The sunshine part we've, of course, already discussed if you're looking above you. But what about the seasons? Well, they're represented too. Have you ever looked above at the hot air balloons floating on the ceiling? Next time you're there, take a closer look. There are four balloons, and each one has markings representing winter, spring, summer, or fall. In addition, there are four separate seating areas attached to the food court. And you guessed it, each represents a season as well. The carpeting and colors of the seating help to convey a different season in each area. Next time you eat at Sunshine Seasons, take a look at each seating area and see if you can identify which area represents which time of the year. And bonus points, if you take some photos and send them to me through social media or email, properly identifying which area represents which season. And still, we have yet to really talk about Living With The Land, an attraction that's always been high on my list and one that I have been so happy to see getting a resurgence in popularity over the last year or two. Like the pavilion itself, the attraction was originally sponsored by Kraft, then Nestle, And finally, Chiquita Brands International, which has been the attraction sponsor since 2011, and why bananas growing on both sides of the boats have been a key part of the narration since 2011. And as we've already discussed, Living with the Land is a gentle tandem boat ride that takes guests through two major acts, the first of which is a discussion of nature without humans, and the second of which is a discussion of how we as humans continue to shape the land around us. The majority of that second act takes guests through active greenhouses, growing real fruits and vegetables. Just one of the reasons there are signs just about everywhere around the greenhouses asking everyone not to touch the soil, although the main reason still is safety, of course. Always the priority at Disney. Within the greenhouses, there are six major laboratories, all of which, according to Walt's vision, are real working environments producing food for Walt Disney World. The laboratories include the tropics greenhouse, which include bananas, jackfruit, cacao, pineapple, dragonfruit, and other exotic vegetation, the aquacell, which includes different kinds of fish, the temperate greenhouse, which produces melons, pumpkins, cotton, lemons, and other fruits, The string uh, the string greenhouses, which use primarily nutrient film techniques to produce crops like tomatoes, eggplants, lettuce, and cucumbers, The Creative Greenhouse, which uses aeroponics and other cutting-edge techniques to produce crops, and The Living Laboratory, where scientists research crop improvement and pest management, again tying into Walt's original vision to make it a real living, breathing, working environment. The attraction itself includes 16 tandem boats, each of which can hold approximately 40 guests, producing an hourly ride capacity of about 1,600 guests per hour. What I also love about the ride is that it includes a piece of Magic Kingdom history. At one point, there was an attraction being developed for Frontierlands called Western River Expedition, a ride I will also have to discuss on a future episode of Imagineer Podcast. While this attraction was never built, some of the 35 animatronics used in A Living With the Land, specifically those in the Prairie section, were originally intended for that ride, making it an even bigger part of Disney history. Another part of the attraction you might not have given too much thought to before is the narrator. Now, prior to the current version, Living with the Land featured a recorded narrator for the dark ride part of the attraction in the beginning, and a spieling cast member in the greenhouses who would actually sit at the front of the boat in the beginning part and then stand up and point out the plants in the greenhouses, much like the Jungle Cruise skippers in Jungle Cruise would point out the animals and plant life along that attraction. In the current version of Living at the Land, though, cast members are no longer a part of the attraction experience, and the ride has been updated to include one narrator for the entire attraction. That voice actor is none other than Mike Brassel, who has done voice work for Lilo and Stitch, Brother Bear, and uh, various other media, including commercials and TV shows, video games. He's done quite, uh, quite a bit. But what really amazed me the first time I heard it. Is the fact that Mike is actually the voice of two attractions at Walt Disney World. I'll give you a second to think if you can think of the second attraction. But Mike is the voice of two attractions at Walt Disney World Living with the Land and the TTA People Mover. Both of these attractions have seen a huge resurgence in popularity lately, so I definitely have to think. Maybe a lot of that has to do with Mike's voice, so thanks to Mike for being a big part of these two attractions' resurgence in recent years. Uh, in either case, whether he was a part of it or not, the next time you ride either attraction, I'm sure you'll now think about the other, because he is definitely the voice of both. And when I listen back to TTA People Mover, I'm like, yeah, he is the voice of Living with the Land, the same guy. So, without a doubt, the Land Pavilion is full of so many details, And rich history. In fact, I've barely scratched the surface here, and there's so much to explore. To me, at least, the land has always been the pavilion that aligns closest with Walt's original vision of Epcot. It's a living, breathing laboratory for agriculture, one that employs real scientists working on ways to improve food production for people and for the environment. And it's a place where people can come to learn about nature in an engaging way and identify how to make an impact on the planet in their own backyard. So, at this point, I'd love to take you for a ride with me on Living with the Land in its most recent version, at least as of the recording of this episode. Uh, As with other binaural recordings, this part of the podcast is best enjoyed with over-the-ear headphones or earbuds, which will provide you with a full 360-degree audio experience, but if you're listening on speakers in your car or elsewhere, you'll still have an enjoyable tour of the attraction. So without further ado, let's head over to Epcot and enjoy Living with the Land.
1: So they talk to,
3: they talk us on main site. Check it out. The name of it is Parents, please supervise your children and refrain from flash photography or using video lights until we reach the greenhouses. Yeah. Thank you. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy living with the land. For su seguridad, permanece sentado con sus manos y okay. brazos, pies y piernas
1: dentro del parque y cuida los pequeñitos. A manera de recordatorio, no toma fotos con flash y luz de video antes de llegar a ning aldero.
3: voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of living with the land. Our journey begins as dramatic and sudden changes are sweeping over the land. The approaching storm may seem violent and destructive to us, but to nature, it's a new beginning in the cycle of life. surface of the land, roots trap water from the flowing mud, extracting precious nutrients and minerals. These elements, when combined with sunlight, create the diverse living systems of our planet. living systems is the rainforest, home to the most amazing concentration of life on our planet. These dense and beautiful forests cover only a tiny portion of the Earth's surface, but they contain more than half of its plant and animal species. Rainforests are also extremely rich and productive living systems, providing us with oxygen, food, medicines, and other elements essential to our lives. Desert. nature has created a very different but no less beautiful living system. And while this arid landscape may seem lifeless, it is very much alive. The plants and animals that have learned to survive in these harsh conditions make use of what little water they can find and avoid the scorching rays of the relentless sun. The American prairie once appeared as desolate as the desert, but over time, rainwater and nutrients gradually penetrated the hard surface of this land. Even the hooves of the mighty buffalo helped create the rich soil that would one day become home to the American farm. Forces at work on the land, humans have had one of the most profound effects. The need to produce food for a growing world led to the enormous use and sometimes overuse of the land. In our search for more efficient ways to grow food, we often fail to realize the impact of our methods. Today, we're learning to live with the land, discovering better ways to grow food that will assure both human and environmental well-being. the needs of the land some of the answers are being discovered just ahead to help us maintain these carefully controlled ecosystems and for your safety please remain seated in your boat at all times Welcome to our Living Laboratories, where scientists from Epcot and the U.S. Department of Agriculture are exploring innovative ways to produce bountiful harvests now and into the future. The tropics are home to the greatest diversity of plants on the planet. Many of these, like papaya, bananas, cacao, coffee and rice, are well known around the world. These are just a few of the edible plants that have been an important source of nutrition for people living in the tropics. Many are rich in vitamins and minerals, while others are well adapted to growing in less than ideal conditions. Some, like the water lily, thrive in wet, swampy areas and waterways. All parts of this plant, even the flower petals, are edible. The starchy root of the plant has long been used to make flour for baking. One day, many of these lesser-known tropical plants may be as important as the bananas growing on both sides of the boat. More than 28 million tons of bananas are eaten annually, making it the most popular fruit in the world. When we mention farming you probably don't think of fish but fish farming or aquaculture accounts for nearly half of all the seafood consumed globally tilapia bass and catfish like the ones you see here are three of the more popular crops raised by fish farmers the sustainable system we're using here recycles the water in the tanks as a result we're able to save millions of gallons each year our small fish farm produces nearly 5,000 pounds of fish each year to serve in restaurants around Walt Disney World. Innovations like this one can play an important role in our efforts to produce bountiful harvests and still protect natural resources. <laughs> While there are more than 50,000 edible plant species in the world, most of us are only familiar with the handful that make up our everyday diet. The common grains growing here, wheat, maize, sorghum, and millet plus rice, account for nearly two-thirds of our global food consumption. Learning how to increase yields of these staples is an important goal of research around the world. these plants are definitely on their way up. Innovative growing techniques like these increase yields while more efficiently using resources like water, fertilizer, and pesticides. Another innovation at work here is our integrated pest management program. By populating our greenhouses with beneficial insects that prey on harmful pests like aphids and flies, we are significantly reducing our reliance on conventional pesticides. We're growing these crops using our nutrient film system. This technique precisely controls and recycles water and nutrients. With it, we can produce over 27,000 heads of lettuce a year in this one small area. <laughs> Some of our best ideas have been inspired by nature, like these fruit and vegetable trees. By growing these ground plants vertically, we can increase yields and better control diseases. These crops taste as good as they look. In fact, we serve more than 15 tons of produce from our greenhouses in restaurants here at the land every year. The future of agriculture may include innovative ideas like this vertical growing system. Plants grown in this way use a fraction of the space required by traditional growing methods. That saves water and increases production. The aquaponics system on your left combines hydroponics with aquaculture. The fish provide a natural source of fertilizer for the plants, and the plants help keep the water clean for the fish. It's another great way to produce more while using less. In our lab, EPCOT scientists are working with the U.S. Department of Agriculture on a number of innovative projects. The goal of these efforts is to produce higher yielding and better quality plants. Greenhouses (laughs) Greenhouses <laughs> represent just a fraction of the work being well, done worldwide to produce bountiful harvests for our growing population. Scientists, farmers, and even backyard gardeners are doing their part to improve the quantity and quality of foods that we all rely upon. Together, we can continue to find more ways to increase food production and protect our precious natural environment. Only then will we truly be living with the land? On behalf of Walt Disney World, we hope you've enjoyed this unique journey through our living laboratory. If you'd like a closer look, then check out the Behind the Scenes Walking Tour. It's a chance for the whole family to get up close and personal with the plants and growing techniques in our laboratory. Please keep your hands and feet inside the boat and remain seated until the boat comes to a complete stop.
0: with that, we close out episode number 60 of the Imagineer podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this particular episode. The land has always had such a profound impact on me personally, both at Epcot and at Walt Disney World. For those of you who might have listened back already to episode 59 with Imagineer Jim Sarno, I talked about how the land pavilion actually was one of my earliest memories it took me years to even realize that that was the early memory that i had but i've always said before disney has had such a profound impact on my life and i do think the land pavilion in particular is one of those areas for one reason or another i have always felt this personal connection and gravitated toward and especially because i love living with the land and soaring and sunshine seasons i truly admire this pavilion, and I do think it does pay tribute to Walt's original vision for Epcot in so many ways. But I of course want to turn that conversation over to you. Which pavilion at Epcot do you think, for the most part, best aligns with Walt's original vision of Epcot? And what do you think about the land pavilion and living with the land? Is it an attraction that you, like me? Make sure to ride every time you visit Walt Disney World, or are you listening to this podcast episode and now saying to yourself, I've never done it before, I need to give it a shot? Either way, let me know. You can send me feedback in so many ways. Of course, you can reach out to me on social media. You can find us just about anywhere at Imagine Your Podcast, which includes on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. There are so many places you can find me at Imagine Your Podcast. You can also join our Facebook group, The Imagination, or Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community. If you go to our Facebook page, Imagineer Podcast, and click on the Groups tab, that will take you over to The Imagination. Or you can just simply type that in your search browser, and that'll produce the result for you. And you can, of course, request approval. I'll let you into the group as soon as I see that notification come through. You can also reach out to me on Twitter, at Imagineer News. So no matter which platform you choose, you you can post publicly on any of those pages or post your Instagram or Facebook story or send me a direct message to let me know your thoughts. You can also reach out to me privately by emailing imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to leave your feedback to be heard on a future episode of Imagineer Podcast, be sure to call our listener voicemail, which is 516 516- 406 8376. If you leave your thoughts there in a voice message, I will be sure to play that on a future episode of Imagineer Podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the show, of course, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you would take 30 seconds to rate and review the show in iTunes, it does so much, can't even tell you how much, to help our community out. And I appreciate those of you who have rated and reviewed the show in the past. Thank you so very much for taking the time to do so. But one of the best things you can do for Imagineer Podcast is to share it. Whether you share out your favorite episode, the podcast as a whole, or any thoughts regarding Imagineer Podcast or Disney-related posts, if you share it in a an Instagram post, Facebook post, a tweet, or post to your stories on any of those platforms, no matter what you do to share it out. Even if you just reach out to your friends directly or family members, anyone who might be interested in learning more about all things Disney and just celebrating everything Disney has to offer, that share means the world to me personally and helps our amazing community continue to grow and build new disney friendships with all of you out there and if you want to take your love of imagineer podcast to the next level be sure to head to patreon.com slash imagineer podcast to join our imagineer society the imagineer society does go to help support the show financially and in return you get some exclusive Perks, rewards, benefits, including early access to every podcast episode, bonus podcast episodes just for you, and monthly video calls with me and other members of the Imagineer Society to engage in a two-way or multi-way conversation about all things Disney. Conversations are always very informal, and we just have a great time catching up on Disney news in the last month and anything else we feel opinionated about or want to talk about or discuss tips we might have to offer about future trips that we're looking into or anything else related to anything Disney. So again, head to patreon.com slash imagineer podcast to learn more about the Imagineer Society. And lastly, be sure to check out our partners, Academy Travel over at academytravel.com. If you're interested in visiting Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other Disney destination or destination for that matter around the world, Academy Travel has been helping Guests plan their vacations for the last 23 years, and they are literally recognized by Disney. They are diamond earmarked, which is the highest category of travel agency that Disney awards, so really can offer some incredible service, and that is literally at no extra cost to you. So if you need any help in planning your vacation, I definitely recommend checking them out at Academy Travel, and I have some direct links In the show notes, if you want to plan a particular vacation and of course, check out the Kingdom Insider. Christy has been on the show before, um, who runs the Kingdom Insider and has some incredible insights and content to offer relating again to all things Disney. And most importantly, my friends, I hope you are doing everything you possibly can to create a happier and a better life for yourself and for those around you. Life is way too short not to be happy. So go do whatever it is that makes you happiest. Go after those dreams, no matter what they are, and just take steps today to make that dream a reality, no matter what it is. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of The Imagineer Podcast.
2: gentlemen now gather up your personal belongings take small children by the hand and exit through the doors on your left on behalf of the entire cast and crew have a great day at epcot center and don't forget always choose before you chew